And the Father loves you more than your mind, your heart, your spirit, in other words, your soul, can imagine. So receive that. Say, Lord, I just want more of you to rule and reign in my heart and my mind. Mm. God has been so good to us this morning. He's been so good to us this morning. We love you, Jesus. Those who wait on the Lord shall. Come on. We'll officially keep doing that, but good morning again. And uh, there's nothing like when the sun shines on you. And I don't mean just the sun outside. I'm talking about the sun of the living God. His face is for you. You're in His favor. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, and He took away all the sins of the world, every sin that I've done, do, and will do, I moved into a fresh place of favor with the Father. I moved into an intimate relationship with my dad in heaven, with God who loves you. He doesn't want you to work hard. He doesn't want you to strive in your own strength. It's not his desire. His desire is that you encounter a good God. And this morning I have a uh, word I'd like to share for you. Uh, with you, sorry. Um, but we're going to be talking about by my spirit. And uh, <clears throat> it is, I just want to lay some grand kind of foundational. I'm, I'm not going to, I will be doing this in the future again. As you know, we worked through Paul's joy book, Philippians. And we really went through it and we dug, it, you know, we kind of dug into it a bit. And we got to learn what Paul was talking about to live in supernatural joy. Right? I'm not walking through a book this morning. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So I won't be continuing it next week, in other words. So I have a topical thing that I really sense the Father really just wants to meet with you this morning. And so if it's your first time here, I want you to know it's not by accident. The Father wants to even speak into your life this morning in a fresh way. I place before you life and death. Right? And I want you to choose life. I am life, Jesus says. Bless you. I am life, Jesus says. True life is found in the person of Christ. Abundant life is found in the person of Christ. We should be aware not to put the cart before the horse. But let the horse, in a sense, forgive me if I'm not meaning the Holy Spirit is a horse. Okay, I mean, if you knew, you'll get my heart. But let's put the horse before the cart. Let's let Holy Spirit lead. Let's begin to do what David said and said, there's one thing I desire and it is you, my Lord. When you do that, you can't help but get fresh encounters. Why? Because when we get fresh revelations from Holy Spirit in us, encountering God with God's presence comes the supernatural. Not far from God's face is His hand. Does that make sense? Sorry? Good, thank you. I'll take that. But as we do this, I want to leave you with something really important. <laughs> as I was thinking this week about it, I want to leave you with this two things 
that are really majorly important about this. One, we know that our bad experiences that we've had in churches or with people or relationships, whatever it may be, can become wounds and stumbling blocks in our life to receiving the fresh revelation of the Lord to us. We know this. I've taught on that, but we've taught on this before many times. So I'm not going to rehash that. But as important, I want you to just hear this and hear the heart I'm saying this with. As important as this, your good experiences can also hinder a fresh revelation of God. Because we become comfortable in the way that it used to happen, and we want it to happen that way all the time, because we learn through that that this is controllable, and I'm comfortable in it, and it works for me. But Jesus wants you to get a fresh revelation. It's not fresh if you've had it. Well, just hear me on this. It's not fresh, brand spanking new, off the floor, no miles on the clock, if you've already driven it. The Father wants you to move into the new. And so this morning, I got a word, your, the word for you is this, that the Father desperately longs to lead you into a fresh revelation of Himself. Do you want to go to that? Do you want fresh water, not, not, not live in the old swampy, stinky, bathy water? You know? Still smell the same. Is that what you want? No, that's not what you want. You want to climb into the fresh spring. Come out smelling like roses. That's what I'm looking for, and continually. So we're going to dig into the Word soon. We should refocus, and I'll explain how this happens. We should refocus on the one thing and make the one thing, God's intimate relationship, His presence, the only thing that matters beyond everything else. There's nothing wrong with having the other stuff. But they must never climb before him. You see, don't beat yourself up that you've got other things going on. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, Oh, now you're guilty and you're, sh- you're full of shame because God's not, God's not, you know, you've got so many other things. You're not called to, to hide in a closet and go, Yama, 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 yama. Yama, yama, yama. That's not what you're called to do. You're called, as you'll see later as I speak, you're called to just live a naturally supernatural life. <clears throat> just keep your eyes fixed on the one thing and you'll be okay. Here's the word I want to share with you, and it's part of my teaching, funny enough. Yeah. I sense that God wants to challenge us by encouraging us to get out the boat. Isn't it funny that when God encourages you, sometimes He challenges you? The Father, I believe, here's the great thing about God. When He calls you, He provides. Okay, so don't worry about that. Think about that one. Meditate on it if you need to. But the thing is this. The Father is calling us, I believe, now in this next season to get out of the boat. What boat? Get out of any and every boat that is your expectation and allow him to trade it for his. 
Because when the Lord releases a word and a fresh revelation, you can be sure that He'll provide for it. Is this helpful to someone? Amen. I like I'm hearing some amens this morning. Hey, who said that? He's like, oh, amen. Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's like, stupid. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to dance today. I, I, I don't want to offend anyone by my, by my African-style dancing. <laughs> no, no. I hear you, I hear you, and behind me, um, T-shirt, okay? <laughs> okay, let's dig into this. Sorry, guys, it's vacation tomorrow. I want you to know this is a little crazier than usual. I'm blaming it on the vacation. Um, Will, Will, Will was going like, what did I sign up here? What is going on in this place? Why did I even come here? Bless you, man. You're such a good man. The Father loves you, man. You know, every time I see you, the Father just says, I love you, I love you, I love you. Okay, so just, I know you know that, but we're going to keep, keep on shut up bubbling you. Okay, sorry about this, guys. Now, let's jump into this. Here's the word, Matthew 14, verse 28 to 31. That's, that's exactly, Matthew, it's there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me read it. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Listen carefully. Here's where I want to rest for just a short bit for the word for you this morning. As, as part of who's here and the, rest of the, and the rest of what I believe is for the congregation and still further. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. Caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? I've already touched on the last aspect two weeks ago, so I won't touch on that again if you don't mind. But here's all I want to say to you this morning. Is this section here that I really sense that the Father wants to release to you. Is that get out the boat. Right? God has called us into the life of the supernatural. When we forget this, when we forget this, don't panic too much. Let me tell you why. This is the great goodness and the love of the Father for you. Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. It's the Lord's desire for you to walk on water and trust in him in a new level this morning going forward. But even if you get that wrong and you cry out, Lord, I'm sinking. He's going to say, hey, not a problem, man. Here's my hand. Let me pull you back up. Isn't that good news for us? How many of us just need to hear that sometimes? We're so, we're so, we're so trying to tread the water and walk on the water, right? And some things go on in our life and the enemy lies to us and things happen. Our family falls apart. I don't know what it is that we begin to sink and we think, oh, all the shame comes and the guilt comes and we start to sink and we go, oh, I'm useless. God, you know, but Jesus says, hey, man, what's the problem? I'm right here. You see, the context of the scripture was Jesus had, had sent the disciples ahead. He had said, hey, listen, go out in the water. I'm going to go pray by myself. And Jesus went to pray by himself. And they were kind of deep into the lake at the time, kind of like I would assume more than halfway, halfway at least. And the waves were pummeling against the disciples, and they were really struggling. And Jesus was like, oh, I better go and just go and hang out with them, you know. Because remember, they're in a storm uh, or, or heavy waves at least. And Jesus comes, you know, you know waddling on the water. 
yo, because he's God, you know, water doesn't bother him. And he came walking on the water, and everyone was like, everyone was like, whoa, like, they thought it was a ghost. And they were like, whoa, is it a ghost? And Jesus was like, whoa, guys, chill, it's me. Okay, I'm paraphrasing, it's not chill in the Bible, okay? <laughs> he goes, chill, it's me, it's Jesus. And Peter goes, he's the first one to jump out in faith. He's the first one to jump out in faith and says, hey, if it's you, just call me out there. I really want to come hang, like, I want to be with you. And he says, come. And we'll get into that in a second, in a little while. So remember, you're called to fresh encounters. You're called to live in the supernatural. And I really sense that the Father is even encouraging us this morning to say, hey, it's all about me. Let me begin to do some things in you. Okay? And then because of what I've done in you, through you. Okay? So let's move on. So let's jump into this scripture as I was jumping into Zechariah 4 verse 6. And I want to say three things this morning. One, our inheritance is secure and it is supernatural. That's the first heading. Our inheritance is secure and it is supernatural. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 to 19 says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Okay? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is what I want to focus on this morning, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, this is the second thing I want to look at this morning quickly, of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Listen, what did Jesus not do? He did not count. In Christ, he does not count your sins against you. Let me say it again. In Christ, he does not count the sins against us. Why is it that we count our sins against us all the time? If he's not doing it. Let's move on. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has commit, uh, committed us to the message of reconciliation. This is the message shortly. Here's how it goes. Jesus loves you. The Bible says, even while they were sinners, listen, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Very simply put, Here's the kind of like overview of this. Jesus loves you. He doesn't, he, he comes to save you, not to condemn you, the word says. He is not trying to condemn you. He's trying to save you. What is he saving you from? Yourself. And the sins that you believe is dragging you down because you've believed them and you wanted to. But Jesus comes to give life and life in. Abundance, John 10, 10. The enemy comes to, John 10, 10, same one, steal, kill, and destroy. The, the, the Father, once you saved, I place before you life and death. It's in Christ. The life and death. The life is in Christ. The death is in the enemy. It's in the, that's it. So the Father is saying, hey, invite Jesus Christ as believe He's the Son of God and that He paid for your sins and believe that He can change you. The, the major role of Holy Spirit is to transform you into Christ-likeness. I've taught on this before. I'm not going to get deep into it now again. 
But you're welcomed in. You're invited. There's an invitation for you to come. We're going to get into this in a second. So let me not jump ahead of myself here. Our inheritance is secure. When you are in Christ, you are what it says? A new creation. The old man of sin has died. You are new in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the supernaturalness of God, the kingdom of God, the heavenly realms of God, the realms of, of, of uh, whatever, however you want to look at that, okay? I don't want to dig into that too much this morning. But it's this presence of God and a relationship that you're called into, an intimate relationship with the Father. And when you're in this intimacy and when you're trusting in Christ to be your Savior, you're saved. It is, it is no work for you. It is a gift given to you. We are saved by grace through faith. You don't have to work the faith up. It is faith in Christ. He's already accomplished it. All I do is I accept the accomplishment of Christ. Isn't that good for you? I accept what he's done. I receive it. So let's move on. I love this. In Christ, we are naturally supernatural. This world that you live in right now is no longer your foundation. It is no longer your home. What do you get at your home? You get fed. You get shelter. You get comfort in your home, right? You feel safe in your home. This world is no longer that for us. Let me just start there. This world that I live in here does not give me food anymore. It doesn't sustain me. I don't let it tell me who I am or how I live or what I should believe. I don't let the, 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 the one who is in charge of the world, Satan and the demons, I don't let them talk to me about who I am. I allow Christ to talk to me about who I am and what I am. And I will allow the Father to interpret to me who I am in Christ. Christ is always the key. The cross was where the victory was won. And until my identity is fully, fully found on Christ and the cross, I'm not going to understand the new creation, and I'm not going to understand that I'm called into the supernatural to walk on the water. I told you the story before of, of a tribe um, and uh, where these missionaries came, and they, and they began to come there it was just before one of the wars and they began to came there and they got there and they began to talk about who jesus was and a whole bunch of the, the tribes got saved and they and then the war broke out and they had to leave and they left bibles with them and so they left and <clears throat> excuse me that's my allergies kicking in uh my sinuses i mean so uh, they left right and they came back a few years later and while they came back on the boats the tribe came walking to them on the water and so they got up to the boat and the, missionary, and the missionary said, what are you doing? And they said, we're walking on water. And they said, how are you walking on water? You shouldn't be able to do this. And they said, well, it's in the book you gave us. <laughs> the only way we get to see the supernatural is if we go to the one who is supernatural. The deeper, the deeper we come to a Holy Spirit revelation of who we are, the more you will walk in the things that Jesus did. This is not weird. I can mention you countless stories in the Bible of a donkey speaking. Go read it. A donkey spoke. 
tongues of fire. The demons were set, set free. People were set free from demons. The dead were raised. The sick were healed. This is what we're called to. The blind see. The deaf hear. I'm, I'm not trying to... Listen, I can't tell you something I don't... I, 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 this is all I know. You've got to be convinced in your own life. You've got to say, Lord, I want that fresh revelation. And then you've got to say, Lord, you know what? I'm not even that... I'm not even... How do I put this? Joe? Just try and follow the heart of what I'm saying. I'm not even that passionate to see the miracle signs and wonders as much as to get to know you. I want to get to know you because I know when I get to know you, whatever it is you want to release through in me and through me, that's what you'll release. And guess what? Because you are supernatural, I will have something supernatural. I'm not trying to tell God how it should look, what it should look like. I'm just trying to say to God, you give me what you want. I know it's going to be good. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Now, does the Bible speak about healing? Absolutely. Does the Bible speak about raising the sick? Yeah, absolutely. So we should be, we should be able to get into that. But I don't, I don't want to tell people, you have to get into that. You've got to see signs of wonder. You've got to be able to raise the dead, otherwise you're not a good Christian. I'm not telling you that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying you seek the one. And let him release what he wants to release. Again, isn't that resting? As opposed to trying to stir it up and work it up and trying to, you know, some guys like, you got to read your Bible 70 times a day. You better memorize 400 verses. Is that a good thing? Absolutely it's a good thing. Should I be doing that if I can? Absolutely. Should I be forced to? Should, should it become something that becomes a ritual to me? No. I should do it because I'm passionate about Jesus. That's why I do it. I'd rather have you say, I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not passionate. I'm not interested. Then you say to me, oh, yeah, I have to read the Bible because if I don't read the Bible, I feel so guilty. I feel challenged. I feel like I'm getting beaten over my head. I, I, I understand. I understand some people are going to be upset with me on that one. I get it. I'm okay with that. I rather want you free, who the sun sets free, is free indeed. What does it mean that? Quickly, it means you're free from sin. It means you're free from performance because you did not perform to get saved. It is not of, of works of man so that you can boast. It is of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And therefore, I want to have, at least in my opinion, and you don't have to have the same opinion, I don't mind, but I'm trying to help you. I want to have the same opinion as that of Jesus. And I want to have the same opinion and say, Lord, I need you. But more importantly, I accept you. More importantly, you empower me as I begin to walk a walk resting in your strength. I'm called to the new and the supernatural because of you. Not because how well I've obeyed you. Not because how many times I've done the right thing. Shh, listen, the more time you spend with God, the less taste you will have for the things of the world. He changed my taste buds. I'm sure he can change yours. I love reading the Bible now, not because I'm forced to, but because when I read the Bible, I'm getting to know somebody. He's called God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Father. It's fun for me. The Father looks at you and he, and he sees exactly that. He says, this is my son and my daughter whom, I'm lo whom, I, whom I love. 
Now that scripture is, mean, is talking to Jesus. But listen, if you're a new creation, you're in Christ, right? Therefore the Father says the same thing over you. This is my son and my daughter whom I loved and whom I'm well pleased with. It's the same story because you're in Christ. Is that clicking? Okay, let me move on. Shara Baba. Are you feeling, uh, are you getting this? Are you feeling free? Is it loosening some things off you? Okay, great. The next scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10 says this. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us. By who? The Spirit. How many times have I tried to get the revelations from God on my own because I'm working hard? It's not going to happen. I get it because I hang out with the one who has the revelation. And I sit there and I say, man, I just love you. I love you. I love you. I want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with you. I just, my passion is simply this, who are you? I want to know you. You're just so good. I had a little bit of a taste. You revealed yourself to me first. God sought us out first. And when I saw, I was like, what? I'll never forget being in Holland one time when the tulips were out. And uh, we were watching these floats go by. And there was this one guy, he had his kid on his shoulders. And every time a cool float went by, he went, what? And he was like, what? And he was like, what? Every time a float went by. And I was just like, this is pretty cool. Never heard it done that way before. (laughs) So from now on, I'm like, what? And God is so much more than the what. He's the I am. Ooh. Okay, let's move on. Um, so now we go. Let's encourage one another. This whole thing about the reconciliation is we're called to encourage other on this journey. We have the ministry of reconciliation. What reconciliation? Reconciliate, helping people get into a deep and intimate relationship with God. That's the reconciliation. The reconciliation is between father and son, between father and daughter. That's the reconciliation we're called to. I must encourage you to be reconciled more with God. What does that mean? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, Sheldon. I, I had a bit of a tough week. And I was ah, oh, I just want to remind you of something. The Father loves you. And let me tell you something else. The Father is just drawing you deeper into His presence. Isn't that good? Pray for one another. Be there for one another. You don't have to go and sit in someone's uh, house. And, and like every time they go make a cup of coffee, grab their hand and, and, so they can pick up the money. You know? Because here's the thing. You're not called. Listen carefully. This is going to help you. You're not called to be responsible for someone else. You're called to encourage, love, and support them. They have to do their own work and their own, make their own decisions. We're called to love, encourage, and support. What's the three, ma- well, three of the major things that the prophetic does in the new covenant? Comfort, edify, and exhort. That's what the paraclete comes, the advocate. The paraclete comes to do that, right? And so we, we want to get involved in the same ministry that Jesus is doing in each one of our hearts. We encourage and support. But we do not take someone else's burdens and responsibility. Is that helpful to you? You don't have to do that. If you're married to them, we'll talk. That's a different, a bit of a different story. But, but, <laughs> okay. But the point is this. The point is this, guys. We're not called... To have to, because let me tell you something. Uh, let me not go there. Let me not today. Let me not go there. Come on, I know I can hear you at the back there. Come on, Sheldon. Okay. 
Here's the major scripture I want to just focus a few more minutes on. Not by might, nor by power, but by spirit, says the Lord. This is the second thing I want to talk about this morning. This is the word, listen, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay, Zachari- this is from the book of Zechariah, chapter 4. Uh, Zechariah has eight nighttime visions. Okay, we know this because he wasn't, he wasn't in a dream state. He was awakened as if someone's awake. So he's in kind of like a vision state. Okay, you can go read that uh, chapter if you want. And uh, Zechariah was a post-exilic prophet. What that means is very simply, if you don't know, post, after, exilic, exile. So they came out of Babylon, out of exile. He's a post-exilic prophet. He's one of the post-exilic prophets. One of the other prophets that was his contemporary that was there with him at the time when as Zerubbabel was building the temple in Jerusalem, or building the temple, okay, was Haggai. So these two prophets, Haggai and Zerubbabel, were together at that same time, at that same time in history, as Zerubbabel was building the temple, and the nation was trying to get rebuilt. You get it? That's as much background as I'm going to do for now. And, soon, or this, and, and, and Zechariah is in, in, in chapter 4, he has this vision, or this open, open vision, or vision, whatever it was, of spirit coming and the key here is this one um, not by might nor by power but my spirit says the lord what you need to know the vision was a golden lampstand and it had um uh, things around it but i'm not going to get into that i just want to focus on the golden lampstand the golden lampstand represented two major things for me and it is a glorious interpretation of how the father comes to extend and point to the messiah this scripture is pointing to the messiah the prophetic word that zechariah got through this book was pointing to Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the cross. Here we see this seven-stemmed lamp, golden lamp in the, in, in the middle. Now, Zechariah was a prophet and, and a priest in the temple. Okay, So he understood this um, symbolism that was there in this vision. And the, it was a, we know now from Ezekiel, that this was a menorah, okay? It was a seven-stemmed golden lamp. And it represented a few, it represented a couple of things. One, Zechariah knew immediately it represented the presence of God. Okay? He knew that immediately. Sec- uh, 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 secondly, so here he is, and he's saying it's the presence of God coming, and the lights represented that it was Jesus and his presence too. Okay? Getting this? And so here we see that when he begins to talk, it's a great word that God gives, because they're trying to build this temple, and they've been thwarted. They've had a difficult time. They've just come out of exile. They've got poverty mindsets. They've, they've, they've been, they've been, they've been you know, slaves, and they've been beaten down. And your mindset is, oh, I'm never going to get anything. Your mindset is one of like, oh, I've lived in poverty so much, I don't think I can get out of this. I'm not just talking about financial, though that might happen too for us. But your, your whole being is just worn out. You're tired. You've fought for so long. Haven't you felt like this? It's just me. It's not just you. Thank you. Okay, so you, you, you're in this place, and the enemy loves it because guess what the enemy does when you're down? He does it a lot worse than what I'm doing. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the father comes to them and he says, Hey, guys, I'm sending Zerubbabel, the guy that's doing this, to Zechariah the prophet. He says, I'm sending Zerubbabel a word. It's not by by might nor by power, but by my spirit. What were they rebuilding? The temple. You following me yet? 
Who's the temple right now? We are. So guess what Zerubbabel is doing? Even while he says God's bringing practical help to the people, he's saying, it is by the Spirit of the Lord that the temple is built. You and I cannot be built up into the freshness and the newness and, the, and, the, and walking to become more like Jesus without Holy Spirit. As much as you try to work it out, as much as you try to do things, you will fail because there is no way that a natural person can tap into the supernatural work of God. It took a godly action to get a godly reward. And we're extended the same love now in Christ. He's saying, it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord that you begin to walk in the fresh revelations that you get to enter into intimacy. Let me read you this next scripture. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what? Grace, that we may receive what? Mercy, and find grace to help in time of what? The greatest need that humankind has and will always have is to know God. Because real life is found in Him. You see, the Spirit helps me to become like Christ. The Spirit grows me. The Spirit develops me. The Spirit draws out the things that Christ has for before I was born. I'm not going to get into those scriptures now. But before I was born, the Spirit knew who I was. Jesus knew who I was. The Father knew who I was. Why? How do I know this? God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. Omnipresent everywhere, all of the time. Omniscient, all-knowing. And he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Now, here's the thing. The greatness of God. You can go read in Psalm 139. The greatness of God is this. He begins to look and he, be, he says, listen, who do you go to when you really want to understand something you don't know? If you, let's say you buy a new television set. Who do you go to to find out how this television set works? The manufacturer. The manufacturer also provides a what? A user manual. We, as Christians, have a great thing because in Zechariah it says, it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. Pointing to Christ. You can go read this up if you want in your own time. Pointing to Christ, saying this, that, we, that the role of Holy Spirit is to make us more like Christ, is to release the, the depths and the levels of the fresh revelations of who He is. And as the, those revelations grow in my heart and in my mind, I begin to walk in a more supernatural understanding of the world. I don't, these silly things that everyone else is worried about worry me less. Someone kicks me twice. I get up and I say, hey man, that was a nice foot. I'm, I'm, that's of course in jest. Okay? We don't want people, we, we don't want to allow people just to kick us. Okay? I don't go away going like, yo, just pastor said I can kick you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. If it, incre- if, if it increases the grace like Paul says, I'll take it. Oftentimes, we, we, uh, <laughs> oftentimes, the thing is this. We want the grace, but we want it the way I want it. Grace is given in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. We've got to go to Him and say, I trust you implicitly. Grow me the way you want. 
the more you get, listen, the more you know me, Pam, I'm going to use the example. Now, let's, let's pretend I've just met Pam. I am, there's no ways I'm going to give my Jeep keys to Pam. I'm a massive Jeep fan. It's not happening. But the more I get to know Pam and trust her, I know she's going to drive it like a little baby. She's going to rub the seats with some leather care. You know? <laughs> I, tr- I trust her, and I hand her the key. You see, Ben, before I knew him, he drove one of my cars around. As I got to know him, I knew, hey, Ben's a cool guy. He can drive one of my cars around. You see, the more I get to know my Father in heaven, the more I trust him with my life. The fresh river comes from knowing that it's not by your might, not by your power, not by your control, not by your influence, not by what you know needs to happen. It's by trusting in the Holy Spirit that his power will work for good in me because he's a good God. Isn't that good? Ah, it's a good word, Sheldon. Let's end with this. And this is where I want to end. Trust the inviter. I'm going to go back to that scripture. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said what? What we need to understand is this. God will always, 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 always respond favorably to his word. When God calls you, he will provide. Ask anything according to the? Who said it? Will of God. How do I know the will of God? I begin by reading the Bible, if I have no other reference. I begin by saying, Holy Spirit, begin to bring a fresh revelation of this word into my heart, into my mind. I begin to let God shape me and grow me and make me more like Christ. There is no way on the face of this beautiful planet that I can do that. I have to trust and rely. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I trust in the Lord. The point is that, listen, Jesus said, Here's what happens. So, so we, get into, we get in this boat and we're rowing and the waves start coming. And we're like, yay, Jesus sent me. It's going to be good, man. And then we forget that Jesus sent us. Because what did Jesus say? He said, go get in the boat, go row to the other side. Jesus sent them. So when I'm in the boat, the waves start coming. I'm like, whoa. Good news is the disciples didn't stop. They just kept rowing. They're like, oh, man. Now, in the grace and the mercy and the love of God, he comes and says, Jesus comes walking on the water and says, hey, I'm going to come and help you. Zechariah, not by might, not by power. So he's walking. We see the supernatural move of God and we get freaked out. Is it a ghost? Is it a plane? Is it a train? Is it an automobile? No, it's, no. it's not Superman. Well, Okay, anyway, so here he is, and he's kind of walking, and then Peter, go, and then Peter jumps out and says, is it you, Lord? Not a, que- not a problem to ask sometimes. Jesus, is this you? It's not testing the Lord that, by the way. I won't get into that this morning. It's asking, because his heart was right. Listen, motivation matters. Don't let anybody tell you. Listen, two people can go into a forest. Two people can go into a forest, right? And... One person can light the, fire, light the fire, and another one can light the fire. It looks exactly the same. But the one is burning the woods down for regrowth. The other one's burning it down because he just wants to see destruction. Motivation matters. 
Jesus' motivation is love, kindness. It's there to see you grow. It's there to see you know that you're a child of God. It's there to see you walk on the water because it's what we're created for as as in our inheritance is just that beautiful. It's there to know I'm fully loved. It's there to know that even although human beings let me down and they let me down all the time, I let myself down all the time. But it's okay because the Father says, hey, everything about you, your identity and who you are is found in me. Look at yourself and say this. Huh, I am loved. You don't have to. I'm, it's a joke, but, but it's not a joke. It's, it's funny, but it's not a joke. Okay. Lord, I am loved and I'm good because of you. You approve of me. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so here we go. Here's what happened. Peter begins, as he gets out of the boat, good thing. Begins to walk on the water, good thing. Then what does he do? He begins to look at the waves and he begins to sink. Was it because of the waves that he was sinking? No. Yeah, but there's even one thing that's even beyond that. So concerns of the world, absolutely, the Bible talks about that. But there's even one thing further than that. He began to realize that he's not strong enough in his own strength. He began to focus on the inadequacies of his identity. Point is, he began to focus on his inadequacies. He began to think of his own power and strength. Jesus does not want us to rely on our own power and strength to live this world, to become who we are. He does not. He's not asking you to live a really good life to develop. No, he's asking you to live a good life because you're developing. We don't live a good life to become a good Christian. We're good Christians, therefore we live a good life. Motivation matters. I live out of the place of abundance and of, of, of uh, um, um, complete wholeness in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. Therefore, I live out of that. Now, over here, I begin to live and try to obey God as much as I can. Don't swear. Don't drink alcohol. Don't do this. Don't this. Don't that. Don't this. And, I begin, and then I become critical of other people. You see, when I become super disciplined, I now become critical of others. And so here's what we want to do. We want to just go and say, Lord, man, we love you. We just want to hang out with you. Begin to do your work in me. It's not by my mind, not by my power. I couldn't get saved in my own strength. I can't live this life in my own strength. Yes, I will live from what I can. Okay, so Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your, uh, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, that's an amazing statement by the Father. He's saying, come to me. It starts in Isaiah 55. It says, come to me, all who are thirsty. Come eat and come drink without spending a whole lot of money and effort. Again, it's pointing to how Jesus and how the Spirit builds us. And it's God's strength who does it. We, can't, we don't need to rely on ourselves. We don't need to try to be perfect. That's in the beginning of this Isaiah 55. You can go read it. The next one is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find 
rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, Jesus is saying, just come and hang out with me. Let me do the work that is impossible for you to do. You cannot, you cannot get saved and you cannot grow on your own. It's impossible. And by you trying to do all the right things and trying to be highly disciplined, the only thing you're going to do is develop a critical spirit towards others. Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. Why should I think I should treat other people differently? Why am I condemning so many people about this stuff? Shouldn't I be extending grace and love just like my father did to me? Those who have received love know how to give love. Those who know love know how to live out of love. This revolutionizes everything in my heart. I begin to approach people that are different to me and, and, and weird to me and, and have different theological viewpoints to me. I don't whatever the differences are. I don't look at that. I say, Jesus, what do you see? That's what I want to see. Am I there yet? Absolutely not. I'd be lying if I told you I am. But I can tell you this, and I think at least one or two people in this room can agree with me, that I'm further along now than what I used to be. And I want to continue saying, Jesus, change me. But I cannot change without a fresh revelation, which means I need to be intimate, which means I need an encounter, which means I need to know the word. Can't change without that. I also can't change by just being disciplined. Okay, the, the Bible says this. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Does he love a highly disciplined giver? No, it's cheerful. Why is it cheerful? Because my father loves it when I cheerfully give my life to him. When I cheerfully live for Him, when I have, when I have an excitement to, to be with Him, to be in His presence, to say, man, I'm just going to hang out with you because I just love you and I'm excited for you to change me. I don't like it sometimes when you change me, but I know it's for my best. Isn't that good? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, pointing to our Messiah and King. Wow. Are you feeling free yet? Okay, I'm going to end with that. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. My conclusion is this. Matthew, Matthew chapter 7 from verse 1. <laughs> no, joking. Okay. My conclusion is this. Why don't you... Why don't you can see we're not very religious here. Why don't you just begin to allow the Father in? And this morning, I want to encourage you. Listen to this. This morning, I want to encourage you. <laughs> this morning, I want to encourage you. Shout out, Baba. I want to encourage you. Allow the Father in this morning. Why don't you begin to pray with me this morning? And then what I want to do, I want to give. We have, we have some time. I want to allow you to minister in love to each other. Is that okay? Great. So why don't you all stand with me for now? as we just do large group, just inviting Holy Spirit, and then we'll move on from there. And I'll let you know when we can move on. So hold out your hands. Listen, can I just tell you, for those who don't know, the holding out of your hands is an outward expression of an inner requirement. Desire. Thank you. That's a better word. It's an outward expression of an inner desire. That's all it is. It's no magic. Okay? So hold out your hands and just say this. Say, Lord, I come to you just as I am. You accept me just as I am. 
my request. In Jesus' name. Is that I long for a fresh revelation of who you are, of what you do. I give you permission to have your way in my life. Holy Spirit, because of the Father. And Jesus Christ, I receive.